Hello, and welcome to Learning for Life at Gustavus, the podcast about people teaching and learning at Gustavus Adolphus College and the myriad ways that Gustavus liberal arts education provides a lasting foundation for lives of fulfillment and purpose. I'm your host, Greg Castor, faculty member in the Department of History. Like other colleges and universities, Gustavus has long had a student government. As the College Archives notes, the first iteration began in 1914 and was called the Students' Council. It was succeeded in 1919 by the Forum, which continued until 1942 when the Student Senate replaced it and has continued ever since. But what is the Gustavus uh, Student Senate? What are its responsibilities? How does it function? And more broadly, what is the state of student government on the Gustavus campus today? Joining me to explore these questions, as well as student life generally at Gustavus, are two people well positioned to know, Student Senate co-presidents Ben Menke and Regina Olono-Vidalis. Both are seniors majoring in political science, as well as statistics in Ben's case, and both exemplify so well what it means to be fully engaged in the liberal arts education and experience Gustavus offers its students. I've been looking forward to speaking with them about their own stories and perspectives on student government and life at Gustavus almost two years now into the COVID-19 pandemic and heartfelt moment for Ben and Regina about halfway through their senior year. I know what follows would be both interesting and illuminating. And so, Regina and Ben, welcome to the podcast. It's so great to have you on. Yeah, thanks so much. It's so great to be here. Hi, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, my pleasure. And um, thank you for taking taking the time out. We're, as you know, and profs know, we're all kind of very busy at this point in the semester. Uh, it's crunch time. But so thank you. Thank you both so much. Um, how are you both doing amid COVID. Are you are you are you both in person right now or, or do you have classes that are online or hybrid? How is it going? Um, personally, uh, I would say that I've been hybrid um, pretty much since COVID began. It's really nice to be able to go back in person this semester, but I'm still um, online for certain classes. So I think I expect to be hybrid up until the moment I graduate. Wow. Yeah. So this is your, this is your senior year. <laughs> yeah. And Ben, how about you? Is, is your, is your experience similar? Um, I've been a little bit uh, more fortunate if you value that sort of in-person experience. All of my main classes have been in person. The only one that's online is conditioning. Okay. But I'm still able to do my workouts by myself. So that's fine. Oh, that's good. Um, I was online, you know, well, you were here in March 2020, right? What were you, what were you been sophomores at that point, I guess, um, when we, we had to abandon ship, um, so to speak. And, and then I was online, which I'd never done and, you know, vowed that if I ever do that, I would quit. Of course, that was pre-COVID. Um, but it went okay. I was surprised, actually. But then it's it's good to be back in person. I'm all in person now, so uh, that feels good. Although it's funny. I, in a way, I miss being able to see complete faces online, which you can't see with the mask uh, mandate that we have, although that, you know, I certainly support that. It's important. Um, so you both are seniors, and I'm just curious, as always, uh, in this podcast about your, your background. So whoever would like to start, tell us a little bit about where you grew up and, and how you came to Gustavus. Why Gustavus? I yeah. think uh, I'd be happy. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Go ahead Ben. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'd be happy to start. Um, so I'm originally from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Oh, yeah. Which is not as far away as people think. Uh, it's <laughs> just a two and a half hour drive. Um, but what, draw me, what drew me to Gustavus was the small liberal arts college experience was something that I knew would be really valuable. Um, and so that's definitely what drew me to this college. Um, and that has definitely paid off 
I've gotten to know uh, many of my classmates and um, life on the hill has been great so far. That's great. How did now did you did you consider applying to uh, Augustana and Sioux Falls or not? Oh, uh, not really. I kind of wanted to get out of Sioux Falls. I don't <laughs> think there's anything wrong with it, but um, I knew that I wanted to be somewhere else where I could uh, really explore, you know, who I am. Um, when I came to Gustavus, I was the only person that I knew. And I think that experience definitely forced me out of my shell. And had you heard of Gustavus? I mean, or how had you heard of Gustavus? Obviously, you'd heard of it, but but how? Um, it's tough to say. I want to say it was an ad online. Oh, like okay. how you hear about a lot of things. You right. just see it somewhere, and it sticks in your head, and you think about it more and more, and you receive some uh, mail, some promotional mail uh, materials, and suddenly it's on your list. That's great. Yeah, the power of advertising um, in higher ed does a lot of that. Uh, Regina, how about you? Tell us where you grew up and, and how you came to Gustavus. Yeah, I would say I think I had more of a non-traditional route. Um, mm-hmm. So I grew up in Arizona and I ended up moving to Minnesota my sophomore year of high school. Um, I went to Eden Prairie and actually wanted to do PSEO. So my junior year, I was looking at PSEO programs and somehow I found out that Gustavus um, had full-time PSEO enrollment for high school seniors. So I applied and I got in and I did my senior year of high school here at Gustavus as a PSEO student. Uh-huh. Um, I actually heard about it from my health teacher in high school, she had a little Gustavus banner and I was like, Oh, what's, what's a Gustavus? <laughs> um, and she was like, Oh, like th- it's this amazing college. Like I have my best memories from there. I still hang out with my friends from school, like once a year. So she had and gone like, to Gustavus. It sounds like. Yeah. So she was an alumni and she told me like whatever I needed, she would help me apply. And yeah, I applied for the program. I got in and, yeah, I was a little 17-year-old my freshman year here. That's great. Yeah, Minnesota has that program. I suppose other states do, too, where the PSO, where you can take uh, college courses and get college credit, too, as yeah. a high school student. You're giving me hope, Regina, because um, as you both may know, um, there's, a, there's a so-called demographic cliff looming. There's some debate about, you know, just... Mm-hmm. How big of a cliff this is. 18 to 24-year-olds are in shorter supply. And so we're all competing for the same pool. But we, uh, one population that is growing um, and that all colleges are competing for is, is the uh, Latinx population in, in the southwestern United States. And I'm always thinking, who would come to Minnesota you know, on a windy you know, the campus on a day like today where it's so windy and cold? And um, so You're giving me hope. Although maybe you didn't have any say in the matter. Your parents, I guess, decided to move to Minnesota. No, they did. <laughs> And you and you came along. It's good. To, good to have you both here. Um, so, well, by the way, Regina, what is the what is the uh, high school teacher's name? I meant to ask you that. Do you... Um, yeah, it was Roxanne Myrie. Roxanne Myrie. Okay, I have to contact her for the podcast too. That's neat. I love these origin stories. And mm-hmm. then both of you, um, both of you are majoring in poli sci and Ben statistics as well. In your case, Regina, I, I, I don't, don't want to miss a double. Ma- are you double majoring, or is it just poli sci in your case? Um, I'm a double minor as well. Oh, go ahead. What, what are you minoring? Yeah, so I'm minoring in public health and peace, conflict, and justice studies. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's wonderful. Great combo. Uh, there's a there's an alum I podcasted with some time ago who was a biohistory major who's doing um, public health. She actually works for the Gates Foundation right now, Katie Schlank, and I'll connect you. I'll be sure to connect you too. That'd be great. Ben, are you do you have minors as well as the two majors? 
Uh, no, I'm too busy for anything else at this point. <laughs> That's fine. I always say you only need one major to graduate. You don't need two. You don't need any minors. But you know, it's it's one of the cool things about about school, wherever you are. I think it's just to be able to explore. Um, so, what what drew you both to political science? I mean, I'm just curious. So, always curious about what draws students to a particular major. Yeah, I think for me, what drew me into political science was um, my interest in who makes decisions and mm. why those decisions are made in the first place. I think a lot of people share that sort of uh, sense of wonder or in some case confusion about <laughs> why things are going the way that they're going. And um, being a high school debater was definitely a, a formative experience for me. And getting that introduction into politics and government made me want to explore that even further. You want to be in the room where it happens, as they say in mm -hmm. uh, Hamilton, it sounds like. Um, that's a great answer. Uh, Re Regina, go ahead. What about you? Yeah, um, I, I took actually um, like AP government and AP comparative politics in high school. Uh -huh. And that's when I realized I was really into like international issues and issues like we're facing in our own country. Although I did not think that was going to be my major um, I actually went the pre-med route freshman year, um, as quite a lot of people do. Yes, that's why I'm chuckling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that did not end up working out. And I took a government class with Chris Gilbert and I was like, yeah, this is my passion. I think, um, you know, having the lived experience as a woman of color kind of changes the way you, you view institutions and sure. the way that the government works. So kind of having the hope that there was something that I could do to help out say my community and others around me really inspired me to go into this major. Yeah, that's great. Well, you're both given what you've, what, what sort of your ambitions are. You're both in the right major. It's a great major at Gustavus, um, great faculty. And um, I may have said this before on the podcast. I, you know, I'm a, his, I'm a historian, but I, I love, pol I'm a political junkie. I love following politics. Um, and I think maybe I should have been a political science major as well, but that's another story, maybe in another life. So did you two, did you know each other before you ran for uh, co co the co-presidency of the student senate? Had you, were you already sort of classmates or how well did you know each other? Yeah, yeah I think we, we, we definitely oh. knew each other well um, before we decided to do this thing. Uh -huh. um, we had a, a, a few classes together, but I think, I think in my opinion, like where I really got to know Regina was when we were both in model United Nations. Oh yes, sure. Mm -hmm. And that's, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, Regina, you were in that too. So go ahead. What, what was, what's model UN Nations at Gustavus like? Yeah, um, I would say, well, also Ben and I were part of three crowns together. I ended up um, switching after first semester, but I kind of always knew him. Um, he was kind of known as a really good speaker in class. Uh, so people kind of around campus already knew Ben Mankey. Um, but yeah, sophomore year, I joined Model UN. Um, I ended up becoming the president junior year. Um, essentially, yeah, it's just a mock uh, model United Nations and you all work together. You're a different country and you work together to pass resolutions. Every year we do this trip to Chicago where we go to the American Model United Nations conference. Yes. Um, which I would say that that kind of brings a lot of people close. So I really got to know Ben there. Um, and I would say up until now, we've continuously had classes together. 
that's neat. I'm just I was curious about your relationship and how you met. The um, <clears throat> I mean, I can you know it's important I would think for the co-presidents of the <laughs> student senate to get along and know something about one another to be effective, to be effective yeah, no, leaders. That definitely- that definitely tends to help a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So, and and is it, it how common is it? Do you know at, at Gustavus for there to be co-presidents? I mean, is that is that required for the student senate? Yes, actually, the 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 uh, position in our constitution is labeled co-presidents. Oh, that's um, neat. And so it's it's necessary for us to have co-presidents because you know as busy college students we're not always available to be at every meeting. And right. so if one of us isn't there, the other is there to fill in. Okay. And we actually take turns chairing the meetings. Neat. Um, I did not know that. I, I should. I haven't looked at the Constitution in a long time. Student Senate. I used to be on the Faculty Senate, and I had more mm-hmm. interaction with the Student Senate then. I actually. You, I mean, I've been on the Faculty Senate more than once, and it's easy to forget that there's a Student Senate too. That's just as important. And when I was chairing the Faculty Senate briefly um, some years ago, I. I uh, met with the then I don't remember their names, the leaders of the of the student senate, just to try to build some, you know, build some bridges and see what we had in common as, as uh, governing bodies. But let, let's let's turn to the student senate itself. Tell us a little bit about, without getting too much into the weeds, I guess. But 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 you know, tell us about how it how it functions, um, what its responsibilities are. Um, you know, what, what, what are some of the, the sort of everyday issues that it, that the student Senate addresses and whoever wants to jump in first, Regina, maybe you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, basically student Senate, um, I would say it's really just a place for us to meet and address concerns from our fellow students. Essentially our goal is to provide a gateway for communication between students and the administration to promote an active and vibrant campus. Um, We're made up of different senators. We have one from each class and then one from each hall. Uh, We also have an international student representative. So we try to bring in all the different uh, constituencies from campus. Um, So we meet every Monday, 7 p.m. in Beck, and we just kind of work on an agenda and try and really tackle issues that students are facing right now. Um, I can kind of talk about some things that we've done recently that have been really have been really good programs that we've enacted. I know Ben, um, if you want to talk about it a little bit, he enacted the laptop loaner program, which has been really good purpose. Yeah, Ben, go ahead. I saw that. Right. Explain that. Yeah. So before I was uh, co-president my sophomore year, actually, I was the technology chair. And um, in that position, you're basically in charge of recording the audio uh, for all the meetings and making sure that the website is working. But I wanted to be, you know, a bit more involved in that position and, I knew that, you know, this was probably pre-COVID pandemic, really, but uh, it turned out being a pretty prophylactic kind of <laughs> Good move. Good timing, um, yes. <laughs> very great timing. Uh, I wanted to meet with uh, Gustavus Technology Services to try to implement some sort of uh, laptop loaner program. I knew that they had uh, a pilot program that they were working with, but um, I hadn't heard of anyone using it, and I wanted to know that. Um, anyone who wanted a laptop to fill their technology needs was able to access one. And so I kind of got the ball, the ball rolling on that. And uh, it took a couple years for us to have these discussions with GTS and get the budgets worked out. But um, our tech chair last year and this year, her name is Abby Doran. Um, she got this figured out. And all of a sudden, we have $40,000 invested in laptop 
uh, laptops that are available uh, to be checked out by any student for as long as an, an entire semester. Wow, that's fantastic. I I did not know the details. That's excellent. That's really great work and clearly important. Um, Gustavus prides itself on being one of the better wired campuses around, but um, what good is that if you don't have access, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have a laptop. That's excellent. Regina, were you going to mention some other uh, achievements? Yeah. Um, so a lot of uh, people in the dorms this year received compost bins. Um, oh. That was an initiative that we passed, um, I think, last year so that we could bring it this year. Um, but we knew, you know, one of our things is environmental sustainability. And we had the opportunity to be able to fund these compost bins in every single dorm room on campus, as well as um, we enacted the first year gender neutral housing. Um, so that's an it's first year. It's been going pretty well. Um, we've also done. Where's that? Is that in? A, sorry, is that in a dorm or where? Where is that housing? Yeah, it's in coed. Um, okay. So they have their own section, and uh -huh. we're really we made it part of our platform to kind of expand this to other dorms on campus. Fantastic. And I'm sorry I interrupted you. What else were you going to add to that? So you've yeah, done the. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, We've also done the electronic newspaper readership program, so students have access to different newspaper um, access online for free. Thank um, you, thank you, thank you, <laughs> thank you. I, w I mean, I can't. That is so important, but that's another. That's another issue. I want students to read newspapers, whether online or not. So, thank you. Yeah, that that's wonderful. Um, and then, what else? More? We can say something else. Yeah, I was going to say I'm really excited for this one, but um, we were able to get free menstrual products in the Campus Center. That's oh, yeah. an initiative uh, Students for Reproductive Freedoms has been working on since my sophomore year, um, and they brought it to Senate, and we were lucky enough that when we were in the position, we were able to help kind of guide this and get this along and passed. So now we have free menstrual products in the campus under bathrooms. Which is no small thing. I podcasted with them. Um, do you know Emily Falk? You probably know her. I think she was yeah, involved. Yeah, they led the initiative. Yes, Emily talked about that in the podcast. Maybe that was a year ago or so, and it's mm -hmm. fantastic. Um, and Ben, were you going to say something as well? Jump in. Yeah, this might, um, <clears throat> this might make you happy. Uh, we actually include the Mankoto Free Press in that um, package of uh, newspaper Good. access. That's great. And we're, I think we're working on getting the St. Peter Herald as well. Nice. And it, what does it include? It includes the New York Times, right, or not? Does it include, I'm trying to remember, the Twin Cities paper? Um, yes. Uh, yeah. The New York Times, the Star Tribune, and USA Today. Oh, USA the Today. That's Mankato the one. Free Press. Right. Mm -hmm. That's great. No, it's excellent. I was just having this conversation with a class. I was just curious. I teach a course this semester, Recent U.S., um, which needs to be retitled mm -hmm. because it's used to be, you know, Recent U.S. was 1945 to, you know, 1980. Now it's 2021. 20, anyway, I was asking the students, um, you know, whether they read newspapers or not. Actually, what I, what I asked is just where do they get their news? Uh, and virtually no one, well, no, no one in the class reads a print paper. Um, but, you know, a few mentioned reading the paper online, which is, which is, I said, I'll take it, you know, I, mean, I think that's a really important program. My wife, Kate, when she taught, uh, at Gustave, she retired a few years ago. She, uh, ran a first-term seminar, taught a first-term seminar called Reading the New York Times and just trying to introduce students to that newspaper and just to reading newspapers and, you know, consuming news. So anyway, all good stuff. And maybe we can circle back to some of that. I'm just curious more. How many, how many student senators are there altogether? So it, it varies. I think there's a total of 25 um, okay. positions available, okay. um, but not all of them are full at the same time. Um, and that number might be wrong, too. 
Uh, but um, so a sometimes couple dozen, we, yeah. yeah, sometimes we don't have a representative, say for um, Prairie View or Arbor View. Um, nothing against those uh, halls, but we just don't tend to get a lot of candidates from there. But the elections for co-ed and complex are almost always fairly competitive. Well, that's what I wanted to stress that then um, you you've made the point that these are elected positions. Um, and in, in your case, both of you, when you were running as co-presidents, did you have uh, uh, opponents or not? Uh, no, we actually didn't have any opponents that were uh, declared candidates. Um, we heard of some people running a writing campaign, but otherwise, um, we basically ran on a post. Okay. Uh, which is um, either good news or bad news. Right. <laughs> uh, good news because, uh, you know, nobody thought that there would be, um, you know, uh, nobody wanted to challenge us, but also bad news because, you know, what does that say about you know, how interested folks are in running this organization? Right. And well, that, that yes. kind of That kind of critical and honest uh, reflection, I think, is really important as we're moving into this year and making sure that students – see that Senate is an important organization. Um, we want people to aspire to these positions and um, to have some say over their student government. Um, yes. But that's, that's commonly a, an issue. Yes, and that's that's an issue on on all campuses. I mean, the, the you know, student government's standing or influence um, sort of waxes and wanes depending on what, what's going on both on campus and of course off campus as well. But um, I, I did want to ask you both about your, your own, you, you've kind of touched on this in a way earlier, but each of you, what, what drew you, is this the first time you uh, have held an elected office? I'm curious about that. Or were you doing something similar in high school? But you know, what drew you to the student government at Gustavus originally? Now, Regina, you want to take it first? Yeah, personally, I would say I was never really involved in high school. I had only ever done um, things like key club, um, more volunteer work. But um, I would say it was my sophomore year. Um, somebody, um, I think the position opened up for class of 2022 representative. And I think I, just, I seriously just had a friend go, oh, hey, you'd be great for this. You should run. And I was like, really? Like, what is student senate? Um, and then they told me about it. And I was like, OK, I guess I'll run. And yeah, I joined um, sophomore year and I've been part of it ever since. That's so great. And that, you know, that you both know you're political science majors and you follow the news. That That's often how a candidate becomes a candidate, right? Someone says, you'd be good at, um, mm -hmm. I was speaking with an alum who, uh, Rep Representative Samantha Vang, who's in the Minnesota State House. Um, I think she's, well, she's one of the, not the first, but one, one of several um, women, uh, among women elected to the state legislature in Minnesota. And same sort of thing, you know, someone's, she was involved in something and someone said, you know, you'd make a good candidate. Why don't you consider this? And, and there she is. Um, ben, what about you? Uh, I became interested in student senate during my first year um, because I was in co-ed and I would often find myself thirsty, you know, <laughs> and unfortunately, you know, co-ed has about 450 residents, but at the time only had one water fountain Good all Lord. the way down on the first floor. Oh my God. And so that was a major issue for me and many of my friends. And I decided to uh, become a candidate for student senate to represent co-ed on 
sort of a one issue platform and that was getting more water fountains. That's great. And it worked, I assume. Oh, definitely. Yes. Um, uh, so I, I, I was elected to Senate and at the first meeting I proposed that we fund more water fountains in the res halls, <laughs> specifically for my constituents in co-ed. And unfortunately that proposal, uh, was defeated by one vote and, um, I was pretty defeated by it, but, um, you know, rather than give up on it, I worked with physical plant. I worked with our Dean of students and we arranged a plan where actually the college would fund 14 new water fountains over wow. the next four years to be installed everywhere around campus. Um, I'm not sure how many of them have actually been implemented, you know, due to COVID and all those right. um, sure. restrictions, but I know we definitely have some new water fountains in many of the res halls. So that kind of started my interest in Senate. And since then, I've just become more and more interested. Well, you, I can tell you, you have a career as a mayor and certainly in the city council. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are the, those are the kind of, right, you know, collect the garbage, shovel the streets, right? Seriously, those kind of, that kind of on the ground, local grassroots. I mean, how, how basic an issue, right? But how important. Yeah. Um, so congrats on, on, on that. Yeah. And as a big uh, water drinker, I mean, we're lucky in Beck Hall here, we have, we have, Two fountains, a big one and a you know a taller one and a mm -hmm. one lower on, lower down on the wall on, there, on every floor. Anyway, mm -hmm. bravo! All of all of the things you mentioned, and so you 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 both have well uh, maybe you Ben especially, but have touched on maybe Regina. I'm sorry, I don't remember who said it, but funding. I'm just curious if you could say a little bit more about that. How how is the student senate funded? Yeah, so we're actually funded through the student government fee. Um, it goes on everybody's. Um, financial aid. I believe it's like 180 and student senate receives about, I think it was like $86 per student. Um, so that all goes into this really, really big budget that we set every year. Um, so we start the year off with a pretty large contingency and we're in charge of allocating all of that to all of the student orgs on campus. Wow. We actually fund every single student organization. Um, including DLC. So we actually fund DLC and through that, they, they also fund the other student organizations that and just not. explain, explain DLC, what that means. Yeah. So DLC is the diversity leadership council and under their umbrella, they have around, I think 50 student organizations that they fund themselves. So that's kind of a subsection of kind of the student org space. Um, but at the end of the day, we fund DLC and they can fund other student organizations that are kind of focused under the umbrella of like diversity, inclusion. Um, so, yeah, it's really great. Um, what would you say? I mean, round figures, what what is the budget in a typical year? The total yeah, budget. Uh, every year we start with around four hundred thousand dollars. That's great. And the vast majority of that money is uh, used up during our spring budgeting process. So that's where every student organization comes and requests some sort of money uh, from us. And we, our finance committee is just super busy during that time, going through each proposal carefully and um, looking for where we can most efficiently allocate our money. Um, so yeah, as Regina was saying, we fund uh, many, many, many student orgs. You know, almost every organization you can join is funded by student senate. Even ones you might not expect, like uh, club sports, are 
funded by student senate. So well, you know, like I've, always, I've always, yeah, tennis. that's interesting. I, I did. No, thank you, because that's a that's a question I've had. Uh, I never, I never, never made the effort to answer it. I've always wondered about that. Um, I have a current student who does uh, club hockey, and I've kind of wondered about their relationship. The, the clubs, you know, where where the where the funding comes from. So that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a huge responsibility, obviously, to, to as you as you just suggested for the, for the suggested for the Senate, but also especially for that finance committee. And great experience too, I would imagine to mm -hmm. to acquire. Um, so that is encouraging. That sounds. I mean, to me, that sounds like a good amount of money. I'm sure you can always use more, but that's that's better than you know fifty thousand or a hundred thousand. And there are so many organizations on campus. I don't have to tell you that student organizations is one of the yeah. I mean, and that's a, and that's a pro and con, I suppose. Um, and maybe, maybe, um, maybe we could just detour a little bit here and talk about some of those um, aside from student senate that you're familiar with. So, Regina, I read that you were involved. I don't know if it still exists. If you're still involved with Ignite, uh, an organization called Ignite, uh, what, tell us a little bit about that. Even if it's no longer in existence, what what that involved. Yeah. So, yeah, we're still active. Oh, um, I actually started that sort of organization last year during the pandemic. Uh, somebody reached out to me. Uh, it was a previous alumni, um, Manali Bakta. She was also a student senate co-president um, two years ago. Uh, she reached out to me. She was working with the international um, organization. Essentially, we work towards um, helping young women or women identifying folks uh, to kind of achieve their political power. One of our main goals is to get gender equity within politics. So we try and help women who either want to probably run in the future, but are still students or women who want to start a campaign now, we would try and support them. So we have a small chapter here on campus. And the way that I've kind of framed the way that the Gustavus chapter works is kind of being involved in big issues on campus. So we've kind of gone hand in hand with um, some of the big issues that have faced this campus. And we try to just be a voice and, you know, kind of be activists for the community here. Um, this year's been a little different. I think we, we went really hard last year during the pandemic just because we had some free time. But as we transitioned to in person, um, it's been a little difficult um, kind of going to I these in-person meetings. Yeah. Well, I, um, boy, that's another, that's another interesting, you just made me think that's another interesting angle about the pandemic. I mean, to what extent, um, you know, the impact of the, it's obvious, but I hadn't thought really thought about the impact of the pandemic, not just on the teaching, but also on all the co-curricular stuff. Um, mm -hmm. you know, if you're, if you're online or, or not, but it sounds like, uh, you've, you've said the Gustavus chapter. So this is a, a national organization. Yeah. It's a national organization. I love the name. It's a great name. And I didn't know about it until I was kind of reading up on you for this uh, podcast. Maybe we can come back to some of the some of the issues you, you mentioned. Ben, what about you? Are you involved? I know you're 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 both busy enough already, God mm -hmm. knows, with with the student center, but are you involved in any any other uh, co curricular activities or organizations or sports or choir, either one of you, any of those things? Um, this year, I've kind of taken a step back in terms of my um, my involvement. Um, I was a part of the speech and debate team, uh, oh. Model UN, the Environmental yeah. Action Coalition. But um, right now, I'm, I'm I spend my time outside of class. Uh, you know, when I'm doing an activity, it's either with Student Senate or it's um, my employment in the Gustavus Writing Center. Oh, uh, which fantastic! Is, which has been very fulfilling. Oh, I'm a huge fan. I'm a, a good friend of Eric Vrooman who directs it. Oh, that's great. I love that writing. I take my mm -hmm. FTS there yeah. all the time. 
Go ahead. Nice. And I'm actually coming to you from the writing center right now. That's where I'm recording. Ah, excellent. Uh, Let's put, it's, it's put in a plug. Room. Okay, put in a plug Definitely. for the writing center at Gustavus. Go mm -hmm. ahead. Put in a plug. What is it? What does it do? It's so important. Yeah, uh, it, we um, we have about uh, 20 uh, staff members from about 25 different majors uh, who are all dedicated to improving the writing skills of any student on our campus. So we're available uh, Sunday through Thursday nights, and you can book appointments with us if you look up our website. Um, we offer in-person appointments. We offer virtual appointments. Whatever is most convenient for you, we want to help you become better writers. So... That's my writing center plug. Um, but there's another student organization uh, involvement that I had that I think ties well into what Regina was saying with Ignite. Uh -huh. So last fall, fall of 2020, um, there was an election, as you know. Yes. And <laughs> Gustavus was very focused on improving student turnout for that election. So the fall of 2019, we formed this organization called the Voter Engagement Team. Yes. And it was a group of students, faculty, and administrative staff that worked together. Um, we put a budget together, uh, hired some uh, voting ambassadors among the student body. Um, I was fortunate to be one of them. And we basically just tried to organize the student body. We hosted a registration drive. We um, uh, basically just created these online resources for students. And Ignite was a huge part of us getting the vote out um, oh, that's with, fantastic. That, with that election. Yeah. Bravo. And, um, so we put an action plan together and we followed it, um, as closely as possible. COVID kind of ruined everything. Um, <laughs> but we kept going and we ended up, uh, actually, um, the, we, we just found out the turnout for that election, which was very exciting. Uh, it turns out 82% of students wow. turned out during oh the 2020 my. election. That is fantastic. Congratulations. Wow. Thank That's you. up and there. It's just, in, go ahead. Don't go ahead. Oh, it's it's seriously just three points short of the highest voting rate in the country, which wow. uh, turns out is St. Olaf. Oh, damn. <laughs> but, yeah. So that, that was kind of a bummer. All right, um, next but still 84%. <laughs> and uh, the average, I believe, was 66%. Wow. That is fantastic. I've, most listeners will know, but in case you don't, St. Olaf is the that, that other EL, uh, ELCA uh, school, the Lutheran affiliated school, the, the Norwegians in Northfield. Anyway, wow, that's fantastic. I just hearing 80% this room uh, in the, in we're talking about Jacksonian, this Jack, so-called Jacksonian period in U.S. history in my survey course. And um, eventually, I mean, in the 19th century, you know, that, and this was, this was men only, of course, white men only, by the way, um, the, you know, the turnout was incredibly high. I mean, it would be, um, you know, it would be in the, at times in, into the 80s. Um, so that's just fantastic. Wow. And I love the connection to Ignite. Mm -hmm. um, the, I mean, the, so this, this leads kind of nicely into my next question, which is about issues. What are, what are some of the issues uh, on campus among students? You know, at times what, what a professor, what the faculty might think is an issue is not necessarily where the student's at. I mean, is it, for example, the environment and climate change. I'm just curious, um, your, your sense of that, not that you speak for all students, of course, neither one of you, but, um, Regina, you want to take, take that one? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, just like everywhere else, there's always going to be a variety of different issues. Sure. Um, yeah, we've, we've looked into like environmental sustainability on campus. Um, right now our chair for that is Juliet White and they've been in charge of rolling out those compost bins. Um, we got some feedback and found out that not everybody was able to fund, um, the compost bags that they need for the bins. So we actually just passed, um, 
another budget for that so that we could um, ensure that students are using those bins. Um, so we're going to roll that out during J term, give out some free bags. Um, you know, I think it's important to mention that last year, uh, given everything that went down, um, anti-racism became pretty big and it yes. became something really important to student senate. Yes. Um, they created the anti-racism and racial justice um, ad hoc committee and Ben and I made that a permanent standing committee this year um, to kind of ensure that we're, you know, keeping an, an eye out for issues on campus and making sure that, you know, students of color have the opportunity to come and talk to us um, regarding, you know, like racist incidents on campus and stuff. Uh, we also created an indigenous relations ad hoc committee this year as well, since that was a pretty big issue on campus last year. Yes. Um, yeah. Those are the, the, the last two in particular are incredibly important um, to me and my colleagues. I mean, to, to all of us, but to, to those of us who are, who are historians. I mean, one of, actually one of our, one of my colleagues, Marco, Professor Marco um, Cabrera-Gesserick is on the, I think the President's Council for Indigenous relations. Um, the stuff around George Floyd's murder, yeah, I mean, the, the the way colleges have and universities respond. And then, of course, there's the backlash to that. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just curious, is is it, um, have you experienced that? Has the student senate experienced that? Are there students who um, are saying enough already, let's quit talking about race or, or, or not? I mean, there's this whole movement off campus, right, to, I, I would argue, to silence teaching about race um, at the high school level, even at some, you know, the, the, the reaction to so-called critical race theory uh, teaching. But but are, are most students on board with these initiatives, do you think, or, or indifferent? Or what's your sense of that? Uh, I would say that they're pretty on board. Uh, we've had a lot of people be passionate about the subject. Um, I know last year, the chair for um, the Anti-Racism and Racial Justice Committee, Alexis Guidry, um, played a huge, huge role. She was part of a listening session. She worked really closely with Ron White um, to kind of get feedback from students. I would he's say, a, yeah, Ron, sorry, Ron White's a trustee, right? Is that right? Who's African? Yeah, yes. I believe he is now the, the president for the um, President's Council on Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I was going to say, like, as a student of color, I, I think a lot of us... Um, haven't let this issue go. And we've kind of seen campus climate get a little bit better, but personally, like freshman and sophomore year, um, we had more, more of this like kind of like hidden, you know, small like microaggressions or mm -hmm. um, small incidents of racism. But up until, you know, George Floyd's murder is when I think we really felt that we could speak out about it without, you know, honestly caring at this point yes. um, without Good caring point. what students thought. We, yes. we went to these listening sessions and we were honest about our experiences on campus and how we haven't been treated super fairly. Um, so yeah, I would say, I think that momentum has still continued right now. We're facing a lot of burnout. So I would say sure. it hasn't been, you know, as a hot topic as it used to be, but I would say at, at least for POC students on campus, this still remains a pretty big issue. And that's actually one of the main reasons why I ran for um, Senate co-president, just so that we could have, a, you know, like a person of color in office, uh, making sure that we don't get left behind. Well, I love that about both of you. I mean, just, uh, you know, the fact that the co the, at least the current co-presidents, you've got the, you know, a male and, and how you identify, your, but you know, you've got mm -hmm. two people, two different 
<laughs> very different people, right? In 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 all all important ways. I think the college, like all schools, right? We go on a lot about diversity. It's and I think it's hard, especially around. Um, you know, we really have still. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's you know Phil Philip Bryan in English, who's an alum, but you know there we need we need more black faculty because Davis has had mm -hmm. trouble. And I don't mean this you know as a criticism; it's just a fact, right? Trouble recruiting. Um, you can't retain until you recruit. And I would argue black faculty and, and Latinx faculty, uh, especially. Anyway, better better on the latter than the former. But yeah, mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you, Regina, about and you've kind of touched on this. Your, what your experience has been as a student of color? It sounds like it's 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 been it's gotten better than it was early on. Is that is that a fair summary of what you were just saying? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think now that people are feeling a little bit more comfortable having these conversations surrounding race, I think that's something freshman and sophomore year, people were kind of like, mm, let's not talk about it. But, you know, um, sometimes we would have like campus safety, maybe singling out, you know, like black students or right. stuff like that. And we never really felt comfortable talking about it. But I would also say like, being in a position like this has also opened the door for me to be able to like kind of help recruit people. Yes. Um, I took part of helping um, find the new campus safety director. Um, and, you know, he's a black man. So that was something really important to me when we were having these conversations, having somebody that wouldn't actively target students based on their race, but rather, you know, what, what the incidents are on campus. And I was also part of the VPEI search committee last year. Which is exciting. Yeah. Tell, yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So we met for, I think it was like a month or two and we looked at a variety of applicants um, to be the new president for this council. And we were, we all were pretty much on the same page that Doug Thompson was amazing. Um, and he really, really connected with students. So we now have him, you know, kind of overseeing the Center for Inclusive Excellence and talking with President Bergman. And I know we just feel really comfortable having, you know, like another black man in charge and yes. can come to him and rant to him and Tom Slunker yeah. and Kareem Watts. We, we're kind of just a little family in the center and we kind of just all talk about our experiences there. So yeah, it's been really amazing. Incredibly important. Better. Yeah. And um, Doug, I, I have yet to podcast with Doug. I want to, he came to our department, our history department meeting uh, a week ago or so just to, online, but a great guy. I mean, so excited and to have a vice president, uh, you know, he's not just sort of, you know, <laughs> He's a vice president, right? He has a, has a seat at the table with the president mm -hmm. and other members of uh, part of the cabinet, president's cabinet. So really important because I think, you know, we, we can go on and on, especially at colleges, but also within the business world, you can go on and on and talk about so-called race relations, a term actually I can't not. I cannot stand um, because it suggests that it's all just relational, interpersonal. And of course, it's not. That's not mm -hmm. how we're going to address structural inequities, um, whether it's around, at least I don't think, whether it's around race, gender, class. But anyway, all good work, I think. Congratulations on that. We're excited about Doug. Ben, do you want to jump in on any of that or, or other issues that you, you sense are, are uh, uppermost in students' minds on, on campus today? Yeah, absolutely. I'll I'll touch a bit on the social justice aspect of our work, which is you know the key to our work, uh, making it an inclusive campus where everyone can feel like they can succeed and become who they want to be. And this personnel change, you know, who we have doing the work of the college is extremely important because yes. that that is the group of people that is going to be reflecting on what we're doing and continuing this reckoning that we're having at Gustavus. 
Um, and that applies to, you know, anti-racism and also, you know, this indigenous, um, uh, indigenous relations uh, aspect of it, um, which has become very, very important over the last uh, two years or so uh, yes. with the renaming of the Arboretum to the Arboretum at Gustavus Adolphus College. Um, uh, we, we felt like that was, um, you know, a great symbolic move towards um, becoming a, an inclusive campus. And yeah. we're fortunate not to have faced uh, the backlash that some other institutions have faced. And right. um, I think for that, for that, I credit it to just the amount of discussion that we had about that decision. I agree. And and t- actually, is on my. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, I, I was just saying, including everyone's voice. Definitely. Yeah, I um, I, I, I actually on my list here, right in front of me, was going to be one of my next questions. But go ahead, explain the, uh, explain uh, what went on around the Gustavus Arboretum, formerly called the Linnaeus Carl Linnaeus Arboretum. Go ahead, Ben. Tell us a little bit about that process and what's what's transpired. Sure. So. Personally, I wasn't a part of this process as it was starting. It was a grassroots movement led by um, some very amazing students um, that, you know, uh, signed up, that sent out a petition to rename the Arboretum uh, as it was named after Carl Linnaeus, who was a Swedish biologist. Um, He was most famous for inventing the system of uh, taxonomy and uh, classifying species by their um, Latin names. Um, But at the same time, um, he also took that classification system and applied it to, um, you know, humans and uh, the racial differences that um, that he saw. And um, it was just a very gross form of scientific racism. Right. Especially, for, especially stain- people. Especially people coming after Linnaeus, I would argue, who really took it um, mm-hmm. and applied yes. it to scientific racism. Yeah, but so, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And so there was that process, and that's cool. It was a gra- so it began as a grassroots uh, initiative from from within the student body, and then yes. long story short, so this there was this. I agree with you from just from what I saw as an outsider faculty member, you know, receiving notices uh, about the the committee, whatever it was called, the committee councils, its its deliberations, how careful they were and thorough they were. But tell us a little bit about where it ended up. So the Arboretum has been renamed? Yes. So it was renamed after a vote by the Board of Trustees. Um, there was, uh, so the deliberation circle put together a list That's of what it was called. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And they went with just the Arboretum at Gustavus Adolphus College, um, noting that it might be inappropriate to like name this land after as an individual um and just keeping in with you know you know um, avoiding that sort of uh controversy and i believe that this decision was well received um Mm -hmm. outside of gustavus i can't say a whole lot because you know the culture war is a very (laughs) common uh lens through which people see things um so i can't speak for yeah yeah i can't speak for what people outside of gustavus have seen, but people outside of people within the campus community have been supportive. Um, if they've said anything at all, that's all great. I thought it was a really great, pro- I, I was kind of a, a, a agnostic on it in some ways. I, I, I mean, I thought I, I, my, if I had to vote, I would have voted to, uh, change the name. Uh, I was happy with that outcome, but also want people to recognize that it's, it's, it's in, in, in some ways more, folks who come after Linnaeus and what they do with his system. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'll be way beyond Gustavus. I mean, even the Linnaeus Society uh, in, in Sweden, I mean, they're they're wrestling with this. So I was just very proud of, you know, again, as looking at it, looking at it from the from 
the, the margins from the outside, very proud of the the process and and um, and happy with the outcome. And that's good to know about the there hasn't been a, there, there no one is sitting in and demanding mm-hmm. that Linnaeus' name be. I mean, good to know. Um, yes. So we're we're um, you, you, you're all doing in the Senate is just doing such important work. I this is a really um, and maybe it's in some ways an unfair question because how the heck could you answer? But I'm just curious. I'm, I'm curious for a number of reasons, including uh, one, one being that I'm now I'm now back in person. And I just wonder um, your own sense, maybe both thinking about yourselves, but just your own sense of the, the mood on campus generally. I mean, are students really preoccupied, burnt out, sick of COVID, all of the above? Are they are they really anxious about um, climate change and it seems like how little progress is being. I'm just I'm curious if you can speak to mm-hmm. that in any way. Again, stipulating you do not speak for the entire student body, of course. I would say that right now we are facing a huge problem with burnout. I think the transition back to in-person has really taken a toll on a lot of students. That's um, I keep getting a lot of students coming up to me and just saying like, Oh, you know, like I can't do this anymore. I forgot how hard like going to class in person every day was and going to like, especially student organizations in person, um, those take up a lot of your time. And I think when we were online via Zoom, you were able to do more and kind of take more on your plate. But as we go back to in person, you kind of find yourself having to prioritize, obviously, school um, and some other like main organizations. But yeah, I think that might be the biggest issue on campus right now. Everyone's really, really tired. Um, But I'm hoping that hopefully in the spring, we can kind of turn that around, maybe get used to being in person, taking the semester to kind of relearn social interactions, if that makes sense. (laughs) It does. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Ben, what do you think? Yeah, I think there's a lot of burnout as well. I would agree with what Regina is saying. And I think for a lot of people, including myself, it comes down to relearning old habits. Um, Habits are just incredibly important uh, for feeling comfortable and keeping one's sanity throughout the day. And a year and a half or two years of this pandemic has um, definitely disrupted many of those habits. Uh, And so- Go ahead. Oh, uh, sorry. And then going, yeah, going back to what you were saying at the beginning of the podcast about only seeing half of people's faces. Um, (laughs) You know, I support masks and, you know, I support uh, the requirement in the buildings. um, But there's no getting around the fact that it's difficult uh, to be uh, as social. Um, And, you know, but coming back to in-person learning has really made up for a lot of that. Um, No more Zoom meetings, uh, you know, as, as much as you can avoid it. And really bringing people together again, that's been a huge part of our um, platform and our uh, commitment as leaders on campus is bringing this community back together. Well, everything you both just said, I, I just want to underscore. It's I, I couldn't agree more, including the point, uh, Ben, you made about habits. Uh, yeah, a burnout. Uh, I I did not think I would feel burnout. I'm feeling, I think a lot of the profs, maybe all of us, everybody, so to some degree or another, um, I and, and and you both said it really well. I, I you know, yeah, I forgot <laughs> what it's like to do all this stuff in person, as opposed to uh, I'm online and now I can shut off the damn laptop. And you know, I mean, I was able to 
concentrate in ways. Um, I've forgotten just how in the course of a day, you know, you're, it's probably true of students too, right? You don't, it's hard to find long stretches of time. For me, they come either early in the morning or late at night. Um, but there's also that thing called sleep we all need. So that's, you know, <laughs> how do you negotiate that? Definitely. But I'm with, I'm with you, Regina. I know you are too, Ben, in, in the spring, right? That's, you know, once spring comes, right, things always look uh, better. But I mean, I'm proud. I'm also proud of Gustavus for how it's handled itself amid, I mean, this, you know, god-awful challenge. And in some ways, a challenge far worse than the tornadoes of 98, which were finite you know i mean they came they went and the destruction was there but this is this ongoing and the toll the toll it's taking on on all of us um i want to conclude by by asking you to um talk a little bit about what you what you each think makes gustavus distinctive or special all colleges right wrestle with this how can we encapsulate what's so special or distinctive about us um, I'd like to like to ask you each to take a take a stab at that. Ben, you want to go ahead? Yeah, I can try. Um, I think what makes Gustavus stand out is the just the the sheer range of communities that are available for students. Um, you know, you have various uh, affinity groups. You have uh, many many activities. Uh, you know, whether it's Greek life or um, you know, it could be bigs and li uh, uh, big partner, little partner. Or, uh, you know, any sort of like language club or student senate, student government. There's just so many opportunities to form communities. And that's what I think makes Gustavus stand out is they embrace that. And um, they celebrate those communities as they're being created. Yeah. And let me just before turning to you, Regina, quickly interject. I, you know, I um, I will confess that when I, I did not attend a liberal arts college and I wasn't that I well, that I wasn't that I wasn't at all active in anything. I just sort of studied um, at Northern Illinois University. And when I first came to Gustavus in 86, I was I was kind of, you know, as a faculty member put off by that. Um, and sometimes I think we can all agree, you know, things get a little too students can get a little too busy with the co-curricular. But I've really come to. Um, appreciate the importance of that in the Gustavus, whatever we want to call it. I hate to say, I said it in my intro, Gustavus experience. It sounds like a cliche or an ad or something, but you know, in, in, in one's education, and I was recently podcasting with an alum named Peter Foss, who uh, grew up on a dairy farm near, uh, and then it came to Gustavus, classics major. He's now a classics prof, a really distinguished classics prof at DePaul University in Indiana. And he made the point, which I thought was really astute, um, just underscoring what we just said, Ben, about just how important it was for someone like him. He was shy and introvert to to come to Gustavus and be involved in in not just in academic work but in, in the you know what we now call co-curricular um, and and kind of learning how to how to be social right or how to interact with people um, that's no small thing right that's an important skill uh, in life um, Regina go ahead what about you what do you think makes Gustavus distinctive or special yeah uh, I think pretty much Ben said exactly what I was going to say personally. Um, well, first of all, there's a lot of opportunities here at Gustavus, you know, for example, like since the, since I first got here, you know, the PSEO program made it a really affordable option to a begin college, but to do that early as well. Yes. Um, 
they have pretty good financial aid, I would say, especially for students of color. Um, I know that's why a lot of us decide to go here because we do end up receiving more aid than we would at other institutions. Um, and honestly, I would also say the administration is pretty receptive. I think that's something that I realized after the discussion surrounding the Arboretum. Um, President Bergman really wanted to listen to student input and kind of um, you know, I think that that brought up also issues where students didn't feel comfortable talking to administration or they felt like we didn't have a voice. But the more I've gotten to work with President Bergman, I've realized that they were actually really receptive to feedback and they want to hear from us. Um, There's just, I would say, mostly miscommunication in which we thought we couldn't come to them. But um, it's kind of amazing that we can. I would also say community. It's been huge. Yeah. Um, and that's what I would say made me stay on campus. Um a lot of students, especially of color, end up transferring um, or they end up not liking Gustavus. Um, but it's pretty amazing because we found a community within ourselves and especially for those of us that are really involved um, kind of doing activist work on campus. You find this really amazing community of people within your student organizations or especially your different identities. Um, you know, right. So the LGBTQ, um, students of color, everybody has these own groups and you can kind of find your way towards these groups. And I think having friends and colleagues that are really here to just support your journey has, you know, really helped me in my college career. I don't think I could have done it without them. Um, they're the reason I kind of keep going. My community, I love it. Um, I love how close we all get kind of working together. I would say Senate, um, Senate cabinet too. We all spend a lot of time together. Um, I would say I've gotten really close to Ben and kind of share the same vision towards making Gustavus this even better place. So yeah, I yes. think it's a great place to find yourself and find people of, um, that kind of share your own values. Yeah, I, I, again, I, all, all well said, both of you, and just coming at it from a faculty member, I, I see that, I, I appreciate it uh, more than I did, you know, when I was first, much more than when I was first starting at Gustavus and thought everything had to be academic, academic, what is all this mm -hmm. co-curricular stuff, but all, all well said. Um, and I think, yeah, having that, having that support, and, you know, Regina, all, I mean, you know, just the fact that you are, um, I don't know, are you the first... Uh, Latinx uh, student Senate president or co-president? I have no idea. I am, I'm not sure. But just the fact that you're there, right? Mm -hmm. And students can see you. Um, you kind of alluded to this much earlier in our conversation, but that's that's hugely important. And I would, and then I was just going to add, I you know, um, I'm of the age where the administration there's always the bad guys, right? They were the bad mm -hmm. guys. <laughs> but I think that's, um, you know, that's when I was a student, right? That, but that's not really. The case here, um, I'm, I'm still sometimes a little skeptical because of that that history I have. Um, uh, but still, right, I, it does seem to me that President Rebecca Bergman and, 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 and Dean of Students Jonas Van Hecke, they really mm -hmm. value, well, I know they value the students, there's no doubt about that, but value your input and that it's not as... Uh, what confrontational um, or antagonistic is maybe the word I'm looking for as as it as it you know historically has been and I think even at Gustavus sometimes in the past mm -hmm. um, and certainly at other schools. So um, with that said, you're both seniors, and I just want to conclude by offering you each a chance to say a little bit about what your plans are to the extent that you have plans. It's okay if you don't. Um, ben, you have some exciting news you can share with us. Why don't we start with you? Go ahead. Oh, yes. I, I am beginning the exciting and joyous process of applying to law school. 
<laughs> and uh, I guess not beginning. I submitted my applications last week and I'm applying to quite a few schools on the East Coast and the Midwest. Um, but yesterday, I just got accepted to the University of Virginia Law School, Bravo. which is very exciting. Bravo. Um, and ho- thank you. And hopefully I hear back from other schools soon, but I know it's a long process, but I'll take this piece of good news and I'll, uh, I'll stay with it until I hear back from other schools. Exciting. And yeah. So that's you, the plan. You, I want to, Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to ask you what you, what, what kind of law you'd like to do or where you see yourself going after the law degree? Oh, yes. Yeah. I was just going to say, um, I'm really interested in voting rights. You know, mm-hmm. my work on the voter, voter engagement team inspired me to pursue a career in election law. Um, it's a very, very important, uh, topic. And I personally believe that, um, voting rights are, uh, a critical issue of our time, especially when they're under attack in all 50 States. It seems like, um, I, I, I could not agree more. And, uh, I will be emailing you Ben, cause we're going to be turning to that in my recent U S with a book. Um, but I'm going to ask if it works, you come to my class and talk about that work on campus. Incredibly important. Are you familiar with Mark Elias, his work for the, um, he's been, he's a lawyer who's just been doing incredible work around this. You'll need to connect with him at some point. Yes, um, absolutely. Cool, he is my, yeah. he is my role model. You know him. Yeah. Or you know who he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's amazing. That's exciting. And again, congrats on UVA, uh, law school. Regina, what about you? What do you, what are you, what are you thinking of doing? Yeah, so I'm also thinking law school. I Mm kind of had to make the tough decision of, you know, either going right after college or maybe taking a year off. And seeing as I started early and I'm feeling the burnout, I decided to actually, yeah, take the year off. Um, Good for you. I currently have a fellowship with Unidos Minnesota. It's oh, a that's fantastic. Based, wow. Yeah, it's a Latinx based nonprofit. And I'm really enjoying the work. We do a lot of organizing and canvassing. And I'm hoping to either get a full time job with them or find another nonprofit. But it's also an election year. Um, so I was lucky enough to have worked on the Dan Feehan for Congress campaign. And that oh, really. Sure mobilized me and I realized that I actually enjoy a lot of campaign work. So yeah, I'm hoping um, to do some caucusing with Unidos and hopefully joining um, another campaign for um, these midterm elections. So Wow. I'm oh, I'm sure. so excited. That but is fantastic. I'm sorry, go ahead, Regina. What were you just saying? I said, I'm not too sure what will end up happening over the year, but it's, it's kind of a plan. Um, and then hopefully law school. It's just you're you're both making me smile, uh, and you're making me feel so so proud to be a Gustavus professor. Wonderful work, both of you. Incredibly important. That's exciting about Unidos, and um, who knows, Regina? Maybe we'll maybe uh, you're in Minnesota running for office one day. I get mm-hmm. get a chance to vote for you. Who knows? But that's super exciting. Um, congratulations on all of that to you both. Best of luck. Thanks for everything you're doing as student leaders. Um, I know sometimes it must feel like it's not noticed or not noticed enough by, by faculty, I'm sure, and, and your peers, but just you're doing really important work and making a difference. So thanks again for taking uh, taking time out of your busy schedules to, to, to podcast with me. And folks listening, contact Regina, contact Ben, right? If you're thinking about coming to Gustavus, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll, they'll tell you everything you need to know, as you can hear. So take good care, both of you. And let's, I don't think, I, I don't think we've met in person. This is ridiculous. We need to get together at <laughs> some point, my treat at River Rock before, um, before you graduate anyway. Yes. That would be uh, amazing. Yeah, we'll do it. Uh, I'm really proud of you both. Take good care. Have a good rest of the day. Thank you. Thank right. you. Thank Bye-bye. you so much. I've enjoyed the You're conversation. Right. My pleasure. Bye-bye. 
Learning for Life at Gustavus is produced by J.J. Aiken and Matthew Dobosensky of the Gustavus Office of Marketing. Gustavus graduate Will Clark, class of 20, who also provides technical expertise to the podcast, and me. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Gustavus Adolphus College.